football season is never over. The Ringer NFL Show has got all your football needs covered from free agency to the draft and so much more. Check out The Ringer NFL Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It is The Answer. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm your host. And this week, the Hawks? Exclamation point? Question mark. That's the question. What's up with the Hawks? They just rattle off seven in a row. Not against exactly the Justice League, but they, they beat some teams. Handily handled the Thunder last night. We're recording this on Friday morning. So last night, they, they beat the Thunder by double digits. They look competent under Nate McMillan. They seem to be playing with a lot more chemistry and harmony than they were under Lloyd Pierce. They're gotten, getting some guys back from injury, like Bogey Bogdanovich, who seems to be playing at like his, his sort of like his real like Sacramento Heights right now. So you're seeing like exactly why Travis Schlenk, the GM in the Hawks went after Bogey to come in and energize that, that offense. And he's doing some really interesting things with the second unit. But the reason why I wanted to talk about them is that it's really easy to give up on teams in the league. You know, I think it's really easy to see a team kind of start to nosedive, put them in the, uh, do not remind me to watch this team on the league pass. Uh, the anti-league pass rankings, you might check in on Trey Young a little bit, but like there's really no reason to. And then because these teams are so bunched together this year, because you've got so many teams like in and around a couple of games under 500 or right around 500, if you do something like what the Hawks just did, which is rattle off seven in a row, all of a sudden you're in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. That's all it takes. And I was really fascinated by this transformation because it's a transformation that happened pretty subtly with Nate McMillan coming in to replace Lloyd Pierce. I wanted to talk to my buddy, Rembert Brown, who is a, a native of Atlanta and a Hawks fan about how it feels to be cheering for this up and down team this season. And then I wanted to talk to Kevin O'Connor from the ringer a little bit about what Nate McMillan has done here and what Travis Schlink, the GM is kind of building towards, because I think what his plan for the team is kind of unique among a lot of teams. You're seeing a guy who drafted Trey Young in the year of the Luka Doncic draft, which will probably be debated for the next 10 years. And then subsequently, he's been drafting almost for fit. And he's been drafting for role players. He's not always drafting for maximum upside dude, no matter what we already have on the roster. It seems like he's putting together a team on the fly out of the draft, which is not something you see all the time. So I want to talk to Kevin, especially since we have the draft guide coming up 
the draft guide is up on the ringer right now. I wanted to see what Kev thought about what Travis Schlenk has been doing. So let's get into the answer and figure out what's going on with the Hawks. I wanted to talk about the Hawks. There's only one person I wanted to talk about them with. It's Rembert Brown. What's up, man? My guy. It's so good to see you, to talk to you, to talk about my favorite thing to talk about when things are going just immediately well. It's like, let me talk hyperbolically about the Hawks um, immediately. (laughs) Nothing that makes you happier than a streaking Hawks. (laughs) (laughs) You showed up in my phone, a streaking Hawk, and boom, now we're talking about the Hawks. I can't wait. So you were saying, when was the last time you talked about the Hawks in any kind of professional capacity? So it was it was really funny. I was doing some promotion for the uh, the podcast I was doing over the holidays uh, about the Georgia flipping blue, gaining ground. And I was like, I want to. I just want to talk to everyone in Atlanta about this and talked about the Hawks on January first mm-hmm. when they were four and one. And the group text. I have a group text literally of like it's nine of us. It's called 500 or better, <laughs> which is just what we want for the Hawks. And yeah, I was saying some wild stuff. I said, you know, Lloyd Pierce is a molder of men um, and that he was going to take this team to the promised land. I was like, I was just saying everything that I typically say when an Atlanta sports team is doing well, which is like, this is the year. And then immediately it fell off the rails. Yeah, immediately you started getting injuries. Immediately, or soon after that, there were started to become athletic tell-alls about dissension within the locker room. Trey Young, John Collins not getting along. Dude's just getting hurt for extended periods of time. Lloyd loses his job. Nate McMillan comes in. And granted, against a pretty light schedule, the yeah. Hawks, aka the Nate Hawks, which I saw them refer to on Peachtree Hoops, which I'm... approval rating of that. Love the Nate Hawks. (laughs) They go on this this seven-game winning streak, and they're about to walk right into a buzzsaw with with an LA trip, and then also Golden State, Denver, Phoenix. So I'm not even sure what we're going to be... If we did this podcast in two weeks, I don't know how you would be feeling. We would never do this podcast in two weeks. We have to do it when things are just (laughs) so incredible. We have to talk about it right then at the... So you watch the Hawks, they, they beat the Thunder last night, a, a usually very competitive Thunder team that they completely handled them. What did you see last night? What did you like that you saw when you were watching the Hawks? So there is a version of the Hawks that I love, which is one that I genuinely feel like even when they get down, they believe that the game's not over. And I can, I see it a lot on, I feel like offense, they're always just excited to be playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Um but also defense, it's like, hey. Defense, like they're energy. excited to be playing offense. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> like, oh, like we could actually get a stop and yeah. play more offense instead of like, oh, this is when they come score on us. And now we have to go score again or we're going to go down again. So that's what I've seen progressively in the, um, to quote the Atlanta Hawks Twitter handle, the H-A-W-W-W-W-W-W-K-S. <laughs> Because they love to track our wins. Uh, but yeah, seven game, like, what's that about? It's, it's, well, it's weird. I love it. With, a, with a conference that's so bunched up like that, though, if you put together seven wins, you are in fifth place. Like the Hawks, they get out from under this play and stuff. Now, granted, they could go out and lose, you know, five of their next seven and be back where they started with this. But 
I think one thing that I've seen with McMillan so far is he knows how to stop the bleeding when it happens. Like he can, he can just kind of like take care of problems on the fly in a way that maybe Pierce wasn't doing. I don't know if that's a fair assessment though. Yeah. I also, yeah, it seems like, well, the thing about Nate, it's funny. It's like, he really didn't seem like he wanted the job. Yes. He was like, y'all, like, I really don't have to do this. Like Lloyd was kind of my dude. I'm not even looking to be a head coach really right now. So he doesn't seem like that proud in like what his system is. He's just like, yeah, like, you know, if something's not working, let's stop it immediately and try yes. something else, which doesn't seem to be a hallmark of, you know, the Lloyd Pierce system that, you know, had nice runs, but also had us, you know, losing three games in a row, like, often. Yes. It was just, like, kept being on three-game skids. I think it happened, like, three or four times. Uh, yeah, I was I was looking, uh, because when I got to Atlanta a couple months ago, we were in 11th pl- I mean, a couple weeks ago, we were in 11th place. In the and like you, yeah. Like you, like you were saying, with just uh, this run— they're now in like fifth place. Right. It's, it's, it, which is how it's going to go until the end of the season in the East. Like we could, like we, it, there's no telling how this team ends up. Um, but it is nice to see them at least show some life and get spoken about again. Cause we were getting to that point in the season where like people forget that the Hawks are a team, even though like, you know, the Hawks went on a skid. That was such a weird skit. Like Trey Young just suddenly didn't become an all-star anymore. People are like, who is yes. Well, he was also getting blamed, I think, you know, fairly or unfairly for, like, a lot of the worst tendencies in modern basketball. Whereas, like, this kid is emblematic of everything that's wrong with contemporary NBA ball, which, like, you know, whether it's the mimicking of Steph's, like, deep shooting is one thing, but, like, the constant foul hunting and obviously, like, complaining a lot, which is something that Luca does, too, so it's not like it's exclusive to Trey to bitch and moan about calls. But I wanted to ask you this. You said that your text thread was called 500 or Better. And that, yes. that is kind of like, I, I, I am also a, a fan of mediocre basketball teams. I don't think there's any <laughs> shame in being okay. Like, is, is that enough for you? Like, you came from the highs of the Bud era, which were actually weirdly, like, probably a little bit more, I would imagine, disorienting because you were so good in the regular season. And then LeBron would just, just wipe your face off your head. Yep. To go from that, and then there's some years in the wilderness, and now you're back. If McMillan gives you gives you a Pacers esque existence of like five hundred or better, it maybe get into deep into a first round series, if not even to a second round series in the playoffs, is that an acceptable Hawks existence for you? I think that's not because I think we've actually started to believe in puzzle pieces actually coming together right. to become one of those like Sixers teams or one of those teams that like we don't have to fully tank. We could actually just like, you know, go Braves on it and like have like a farm system that actually works with like this kind of ragtag collection of people. I don't think 500, I think 500 or better gets us back to those underwhelming years, Mm -hmm. which is like, we're good, but who cares? And I've always thought like, we're good, but who cares doesn't work for Atlanta sports. Like, I think because nobody goes, nobody goes. Yeah. It's like, I would rather. I would, to some degree, sometimes I would rather flashy and terrible, but like relevant than, you know, the perennial seven seed that gets beat by like the Nets for the next four years. Like that right. would be a really bummer existence. I'd rather just like 
not watch the Hawks for five years <laughs> and focus on something else. So, you know, I think Atlanta's in this weird cycle of, um, like, <clears throat> the Falcons are just, like, not a team to think about right now. So now it's like, okay, now I really got to focus on the Hawks. And now people are caring about the Hawks because of Trey and all this other stuff. So to just be mediocre feels kind of a bummer. Is he the biggest Atlanta athlete right now? He is, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, you know, I, I love me some Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was um, asking, I was wondering if that, if they like Ron, Ron, but just like, just the NBA is just, it's, it's just bigger. And I think Trey, again, Trey has that little bit of like exciting vicness to him where it's like, I don't know if this is going to result in wins Anything or losses, but people care. Yeah. And that's tight. So but, he's up, but the team's also good. We're approaching the trade deadline. I don't. I don't care about basketball value. I'm talking about value to rim. Whatever. Let's just call it like the stat is rim. It's like per. Who's untradeable to you based on rim? Right now, number one, Tony Snell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, how much of that has to do with the fact that we found out recently that Tony Snell has a BlackBerry? Tony Snell is, he's like, he's... This is true, by the way, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Tony Snell, BlackBerry game-winning shot, Tony Snell. I just, my thing is like, what have you proven to me in the last seven days? In the last seven days, Tony Snell is a Hall of Famer, so he's untradeable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like some, of the, like some of the other guys, I'm like, you know, like, I know you're better, but what have you done for me lately? Um, I think, in, in reality, I think... I want to see a playoff healthy Capella. Mm-hmm. I just like, I want to see this like weird experiment that the Hawks are trying to pull off actually work because there's like, there's a really amazing world in which having Rondo come off the bench in a tight playoff series is like the greatest thing in the world. Like it could actually work. Bogey and Rondo coming off the bench is, is like a pretty decent second unit if you get DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish back. Yeah. Um, another person, uh, the other, I won't say, I'd say in my seven days, what's happened in the last seven days metric, um, the other Nate that we have, Nate Knight, Nathan Knight. Yeah. You know about Nate? Yeah. Um, there's something about watching him dunk. Uh, I think it was when we were playing Toronto. He dunked on someone in the MLK jersey, and it was like <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's like a rock and jock eight pointer. If you dunk on someone with two hands in an MLK jersey, I was like, okay, yeah. He he's gotta make it to at least the playoff squad. We can't lose him. He's got <laughs> he's got too much of the right energy for me. What about John the Baptist? Because he's the he's a guy who because he's a restricted free agent and and I think that there's been some talk about other teams having interest in him, specifically the Wolves, which I thought was kind of weird, but he's the guy who I think has been most vocal when it comes to the Trey stuff. And just being like, yeah. this is not necessarily Trey's team. Like, I might be better than him. He didn't say that, but like, you can kind of get the vibe from John Collins where he's like, this is my team. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. John, maybe he doesn't have like a Twitter account or a cable subscription. And he's like, <laughs> under the impression that the, like he is the Hawks franchise player. Yeah. He's like, uh, it's like North Korea. He's only getting John Collins clips. <laughs> he has right. no idea that anyone else can show it on SportsCenter. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm hoping that. With uh, Big Nate at the helm, 
this maybe deals with some of the Collins issues because mm-hmm. I'd hate for <laughs> there's there's something about drama ruining a not great team that's not allowed. Like, like I need the big personalities to stay on, like, the big teams. Like, for us, it's like, we don't have time for big personalities. We just, right. like, need to try to score more points than the other team every game. Like, we just need to focus on the nuts and the bolts of winning consecutive basketball games. And so I've, I've just been hoping all year that, um, like, I think Collins has too much of an upside to to lose, but... I don't want to I hate just chalking people off as like locker room cancers, like those type of people. Like I don't want to go there with them. I just want them to just work it out. Yeah. That's the only thing hope. my concern with Collins would be the price you pay to keep him is actually just like way more than you would want. And that he would wind up t- tying up too much money for your team when you could play around with, with that with that cash otherwise. But um I th- I think he stays. I just like I, watching him and Trey to play together. It's so interesting to know that they might not like each other because like those alley oops are just like one of the best things in the NBA right now. Yeah, it's real. It's really good. There's like big AAU energy on the Hawks right now, and yeah. and Trey <laughs> Trey and Collins feel like the like the two dudes from like opposite sides of Atlanta that got put on the same AAU team, and they're like the best kid from the East Side and the best kid from the West Side, but they're not used to not being the dude. It's like very AAU energy. And so I would just like, I'm just hoping Nate, um, like one, just like, cause he's still interim. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure. That'll change. Yeah. I just hope that, um, with this mid season coaching change and this, this streak, which, you know, it's probably the longest winning streak. Most of the Hawks have, ever experienced. I'm just like hoping this <laughs> this excites this people. Continues. Like, hey, let's you like each other. You just gotta get back from the West Coast in one piece. I think that's that's yeah. the main thing. Um, Rem, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate you giving me your time. Of course, man. For you, anything. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. 
Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. All right, now I'm joined by Kevin O'Connor. Kevin, first of all, congratulations on another year, another draft guide. Thank you, Chris. It's fun doing yeah, it. We have Mike, the draft Mike and Lindsay, guide. they do amazing stuff with that. Yeah, guide. everybody who works so hard on this thing, and it's one of the things we're most proud of at the company, honestly. So it's really cool to see it come to fruition. You've got to check out all the work that went into it. And Kevin does such a good job tracking this year's draft class as they like as we sort of round the corner into draft season. But uh, Kev, the reason why I wanted to talk to you today is I remember very distinctly especially right when Travis Schlenk got hired to be the GM of Golden State. I think that is right around when you and I started working together at The Ringer, or shortly thereafter. And he was one of the guys, and the Hawks were one of the teams that I feel like you've consistently pitched as a team of interest for you. That you were like, I want to go check these guys out. I think yeah. something interesting is happening down here. We get into this season. Obviously, I just talked about this a little bit with Rembert about fan expectations and his relationship to the Hawks, but we get into this season and after some injuries and some uh, locker room stuff, Lloyd Pierce loses his job. Nate McMillan comes in and takes a team that seemed like it was basically falling apart and makes them almost immediately competent, rattling off seven games in a row. So my question to you, Kevin, is are all bad teams just a Nate McMillan <laughs> away from being good? <laughs> I mean... If only every team could have a Nate McMillan, huh, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> the NBA would be a better league. Um, with Atlanta, you know, I, I think certain teams are a coach away, uh, but there's not many of them, though. Like with Atlanta, their issues, like that athletic story about mm -hmm. the, the problems that players had with, with Lloyd Pierce seemed very much to do with the def definition of roles. And just the the relationship, like person to person, like Cam Reddish had that quote in this. Well, not a quote, but like the the behind the scenes quote, anonymous quote about him not feeling like he was valued, felt like he was getting picked on. McMillan seems to have a better relationship with these guys. And as a coach, like I don't I don't see many changes from a system point of view mm -hmm. with what Atlanta's doing. That's what but I was I wondering. Yeah, but like there's definitely differences with when he calls a timeout. And his rotations and that stuff matters, right? Like a lot. There was a, a a part in that athletic story that you're referencing where they mentioned a game that Lloyd Pierce was absent from while he was still the coach, yeah. and McMillan coached for him, and that That's it right. was strikingly obvious that like just minor rotational things and just timeout calls and it, it just that that game management stuff that I don't think that we really. As as a fan, like I don't really notice that that much. I, I, sometimes I get like I, I I do pick up on rotation stuff, but when to have a timeout and stuff like that, especially for a young team that are susceptible to giving up chunks of points on defense, you got to know how to manage that, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, there was a couple instances in a game earlier this week where the other team made a run and. McMillan calls a timeout after five points, not waiting for it to get the 10 0 run, 11 0 run, 12 0 run. He tries to end it early. And, you know, I think all these little things are adding up to help. And you're also just seeing, you're seeing guys get minutes that weren't getting minutes before. Like Nathan Knight, I know mm -hmm. it's silly to say he's just a role player, but Nathan Knight looked pretty good in preseason, had a really good game early in the year, and then he never played at all. 
And now he's getting consistent minutes and having great nights, shooting threes, attacking closeouts, having big dunks. He has a poster every night, it seems. And I think sometimes, you know, coaches can, like, they fail to self-scout their roster. And, and McMillan has suddenly shifted that in terms of rotations and who's getting minutes. And that's all helping. And But part of it, though, like, it, obviously Lloyd Pierce had his issues as a coach, but these guys have also gotten healthy. Like, does part of you feel like he just didn't ever had a chance to succeed. Like there's so many guys out early in the year. I feel bad. I still bad for Pierce. No, I mean, go look at their schedule. They, you want to, you want to see the Hawk season in a nutshell, go look at Bogey Bogdanovich's game log. (laughs) Cause there's something like four and four or four and five. When he goes down, he misses February. Uh, they go into the tank. He comes Mm. back and they win seven in a row. I mean, he's not necessarily the only reason that happened. Obviously, that coincided with 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 Nate. It coincided with them getting a little healthier. Although they also lose, uh, they lose Reddish in that time. They've lost Reddish and Hunter, and he'll be back soon, hopefully. Yeah, but I think that there's definitely something to be said for the fact that Pierce never really got to play with his full roster at all and was blamed a lot for things that were out of his control, like injuries. I guess I was going to ask you, Did you when you watch Bogdanovich play for them, I was watching them last night against the Thunder, and I thought I've kind of... One thing that I've, I think they've had a lot of issues with is what to do when Trey Young's off the court. Like, his on-off numbers are pretty pretty striking. But I saw them playing Bogey in a little bit of, like, a kind of shadow Trey role last mm. night when he was playing with the second unit. And that was part of the plan, you know, when they got him, is to have him be that guy who can, when he shares the floor with Trey, push him off ball a little bit, mm-hmm. but, you know, still primarily be the guy coming off screens and handoffs and cutting to the rim. That's what Bogdanovich is so good at. But what's long been underrated with him is his ability on the ball and his ability to create. And having that guy, I mean, they, they signed Rondo, too, who has not been quite the same as he was in the playoffs last year. Nor is Gallo. Yeah, right. Yeah, Gallo, of course, was out, too, and wasn't the same. Until recently, Gallo hasn't produced like the Gallinari that we know. But Bogdanovich is that guy who there's more you can get out of him as a playmaker. And I, even now, like even like last night's game gave a preview, but I still get excited about what Bogdanovich and Trey Young could potentially be if Trey can be maximized off the ball. That was what I was going to, I was going to ask you this. Like, do you see a little hardened Kyrie there? Like not obviously anywhere near as good as those guys, but using Trey in that sort of Kyrie off ball way, the way the Nets are currently using it and giving Bogdanovich a little bit more playmaking responsibility. I'd love to see it. I, I, I still say with Trey Young, he's brilliant on the ball. Like that goes without saying. I mean, averaging nearly thirty points is such a young player. You know, the last couple of years and the the ability to create for others is is elite. But to take that next step, I I think offenses nowadays the best offenses can beat you in different ways and have different guys who can who can either you know it's simple to say but shoot pass and dribble you know just the basics of offense. And if you have a number of those guys who can do that, Trey Young is going to have to make himself a threat off the ball. He's already a threat to shoot from 34 feet. If he can also become a guy who can run off a screen and come off a handoff and drain a three, I would love to see Trey bring the Steph qualities into his game more so than be like the, the Harden or be the Dame. He can do that too. And that's no knock against those guys. But for Atlanta, when you have a six foot one, 180 pound point guard, I'd love to see some more variety with how they use them. And a guy like Bogdanovich, that's sort of what you need. That's sort of what you want next to Trey. Um, So for them, I I think that's on Trey to adapt and embrace that, but also for McMillan to push him that in that direction. And maybe, maybe when you're winning more games, 
it's easier to have a guy like Trey Young as good as he is to accept that responsibility and embrace that responsibility more so than if you're losing and you feel like you get to do it all yourself as a young player. So hopefully, like for Atlanta, that's the next step. But I, I think it has to be for them to thrive someday in the future in the, in the postseason. I actually quite enjoyed last night's game with the Thunder. And I was like, oh, why, why am I having more fun watching the Hawks tonight than usual? And then I looked and I saw that Trey only took four free throws. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of wondering whether or not you felt like Nate it was maybe stripping a little bit of Trey's foul hunting out of him. I hope not. I mean, like if you're a Hawks fan, even if it's annoying <laughs> to watch, it's like as a fan and there's certain calls where it's like the NBA should never call that. The rules are what they are. And if you're a Hawks fan, you should be trying to get him to the free throw line as much as you can. I, wasn't there like a little tidbit about like on a coach, <laughs> a coach's call, like Lloyd Pierce, like, Oh yeah. yeah. That really? Lloyd like Pierce doesn't Lloyd like Pierce it. was yeah. like, I hate when guys are looking for fouls and it was like a, a <laughs> repudiation of his own franchise yeah. player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was that in the story. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, the rules are what they are. That's on the NBA to change how games are officiated. It, players should do everything they can to get to the free throw line as is. I think personally. Are you happy that the the Hawks kind of stuck to stuck to their guns here? I mean, they they obviously decided that there should be a coaching change, but we've seen a couple of teams not throw up a white flag, but like, you know, because they have pick protections that they're concerned about, like say Houston, or they've been ravaged by injuries, or, you know, like Cleveland and the way that they've kind of handled their 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 veterans on their team. I, I'm kind of impressed that the Hawks just like, we're like, you know what? We're making the playoffs <laughs> by hook or by crook. Coach, whichever coach has to be here, if we have to trade John Collins or not, like whatever the case is, like we're making a push for the postseason this year in a, in a kind of soft underbelly of the Eastern Conference. We can do that. I kind of, I wish more teams had like their fight, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think with Atlanta, I still look at them and I think about their future more than anything else. It's, it's so just what, hard how, for how bright me. is the yeah. future? It depends so much on Cam Radish and DeAndre Hunter. What those guys become. And I, the leap we've seen Hunter take this season. I mean, even when Atlanta, when Atlanta was bad like a week ago, <laughs> you look you could look at that team and see DeAndre Hunter's development as a, a real bright spot, even though he was out. And with Cam Radish, the struggles, you know, are worrisome. It's hard not to watch Cam Radish and think, is this guy ever gonna figure it out offensively? He showed some flashes towards the end of last season, but fell apart again at the beginning of this season, just yeah. like he did at the beginning of his rookie year. But Cam Reddish, the guy Schlenk has brought in makes sense around Trey Young. DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, guys who can defend multiple positions, you know, play a low-maintenance role for you on offense, but also have the upside to be guys that handle the ball a lot more than a, than a 3 and D style role player. Cam Reddish has that potential. He has the ability to be a playmaker. It's about really improving his handling, improving his shooting off the dribble. And with Hunter, he's already done that in year two, year three. So with these guys, th they do have a bright future. I still look at Trey Young, though, Chris, and I'm like, he's in for a rude awakening someday in the postseason. And someday might be a couple months from now. Yeah, when, they, when he gets... Like in it. Yeah, and then like that's... In the postseason is where you really find... The uh, opposing offense hunting for matchups. Yes. And that is a lot of exposure for a guy if he's not ready for it. Because if if teams like if a Brooklyn or whoever decide to play whack-a-tray <laughs> as their offense and they just, you know, run PNRs until they get who they want on him, he's going to be giving up like 42 points a night on yeah. national television and it's going to be rough. So we'll see what happens with that. I was curious about that Reddish and Hunter thing because I remember when those picks happened 
it feeling like Schlenk was almost drafting for role players and fit rather than absolute maximum upside. Obviously, some mixed results. Hunter's incredible when healthy. Reddish, we just talked about, has has some work to do. But as you just could, you know, as you're as you're working on the draft guide now and you think a lot about how teams go about putting together their drafting philosophies. I was curious what you thought of the way Schlenk has made picks over the last year. I think the logic makes a lot of sense because with those guys, it, Cam Reddish, for example, it's so easy to see Cam Reddish fitting into a three and D role where all he does his simple offensive responsibilities are catch and shoot, attack closeouts, make the right pass if it's open and play your best on defense. Reddish is already a very good defensive player. I mean, he has that side of the floor covered. So with Atlanta, you have a baseline. Everything I just said about Reddish applies to Hunter, even though he's a little bit older now. He still has upside, and we've seen that upside this year with Hunter improving on the ball, creating his own shot. So for Schlenk, I would assume his logic was, let's get guys who can fit in at the least as role players next to Trey and give him the defensive support that he will need. Like Trey Young, like like you just said, he's going to give up possibly in certain games, 40 points because teams are just going to attack him relentlessly. Atlanta is going to be scrambling in ways that we saw the Celtics do years ago with Isaiah Thomas. Remember the Celtics during his MVP, you know, when he came in fifth for MVP, they had to have these weird, unique switches where he was kind of like zoning off ball and they were avoiding everything they could to get him out of those screens. That's what Atlanta will have to do with Trey. But when you have all that defensive support around him, you can do that. So what Schlenk did makes sense. Like their roster on paper makes sense with all their young guys, even the guys that they signed with Bogdanovich for the reasons we talked about earlier. So I like what Atlanta's done. I mean, uh, given the circumstances and given like how, how the challenges are building around Trey, but it, it still comes down to Trey to me more than anything else and how he evolves. We have a week until the trade deadline. If you're Schlenk, do you do anything? Do you, do you make any moves? I mean, is Collins worth thinking about? I think it's worth thinking about. Um, I'm not sure we'll see a move actually happen here because I really like John Collins for all the same reasons with fit around Trey. He's a room runner. He can shoot threes for you. And he's still only 23. I still think his defense can improve over the, over the course of time. He can play with Capella or without Capella. That versatility playing in two big lineups or as the lone big matters a lot. So the defense needs to get better and there's maybe better fits than, than having him, mm-hmm. but it, it's not a bad fit by any means. So what's the offer out there that makes it worth it? Where's the multiple first round draft picks for this young player that's averaged, you know, nearly 20 points in the last three years. Where's that offer that's you can't say no to. I don't think it's out there and right. neither do many of the executives I talked to this past week or so about what Atlanta might do. Cause there were rumors with Collins that like the wolves were interested in him, right? Like yes. that was like a real, yeah. like they, they had almost Dallas like, likes him too. Dallas There's likes a n- him too. number of teams that like John Collins. I'm curious whether or not like a move for Atlanta signals a certain amount of confidence in where that roster is right now versus like, you know, if they stand pat, are we, are we to take it that Schlenk is like, it's probably not a playoff win for us this year. Like making the playoffs alone would be, would be enough. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure those moves are even out there. I know, I know it's silly to say, but like, who no, are the guys out there right now in the trade market that because I'm sure, can really like, swing things? You have to you do mismatch twice a week. You go on pods and stuff, and this is all we want to talk about. But I am not seeing the the title swing. I'm not seeing the yeah. Paul Gasol, Rashid Wallace deal out there right now. 
it's not it's not and, and i mean like even like kyle lowry kyle yeah. lowry, like, as a sixers fan chris like you've heard the name kyle lowry but then there's all this stuff of, well no he's actually not getting traded you know like harrison barnes has been out there as a name for like you know thinking about these teams in the middle in the east the celtics going for harrison barnes well sacramento might not want to trade harrison barnes yeah the bulls might not even trade thaddeus young so like you have all these teams that could theoretically, you know, unload some veteran players that could help teams that want to contend and yet it's not happening. And I think that speaks to the addition of the play in tournament this year with those nine and 10 seeds getting opportunities to, you know, face the seven and eight seeds, get in, you know, the postseason, sneak in, maybe make a run or at least get some playoff exposure, sure. playoff experience. So more teams feel like they're in it. Atlanta felt like they were in it. And now they're suddenly pushing for the four seed. Yeah. Like they're the evidence that you are in it with just a couple weeks of good basketball. So I, I would imagine unless things dramatically change over the next week, it, it could be uh, not a quiet deadline. You'll see guys moved, but not uh, I agree. a deadline with a lot of headlines. Yeah. It's just too many people out there looking for Jay Crowder and there's only one Jay Crowder. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there's a exactly. lot of desire for a defensive wing that can shoot a little bit. And I just don't know if there are enough resources. Kev, thank you so much for joining me today, man. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris.